This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm much nicer to my Google assistant than my boyfriend is. I say please and thank you. I used to say thank you a lot, but uh, the more I understood how these devices work, I've been treating them more like a search engine. My Alexa and I have um, an interesting relationship. I find that sometimes I do like an escalating strict mom voice, but I use it to control my music and my floor lamp. And usually my conversations go something like, Alexa, 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 Alexa! I think Alexa responds better to like, clear commands sometimes. <laughs> so you're just like, Alexa, do this, do that. My girlfriend's voice assistant listens to her and does not listen to me. It seems like she's gotten worse at understanding us over the course of us owning her. I call it a her, which is so weird. I purposely make my Google assistant like this like gender neutral, but like male-ish voice, and I call it an it. My six-year-old is a little bit more, understands the concept a little bit more, but it's very hard for them to explain that somebody that can actually like have a conversation with you is not a person. We really want them to understand that you have conversations with people and how you have them, and that having a robot or a smart assistant that will just answer you no matter how you speak to them or what you ask them, and who'll always have the answer, that's not life, even though it is life, but it's not real life. Hello, and welcome to Why'd You Push That Button, a show where Caitlin Tiffany, that's me, and Ashley Carmen, that's me, talk about all the decisions technology forces us to make. You thought we were gone, you thought we were gone, <laughs> but guess what? We are back. Oh man, this is a special bonus episode recorded in the desert. Yeah. In a kitchen. Yes. Caitlin and I and the rest of the team all went out to the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas this year to record a live episode of Why'd You Push That Button at Google's mansion, as I call it, which is basically just this huge pop-up space where Google built a roller coaster that was like a small world. Like literally, it was like a small world from Disney World. Yeah, it was pretty incredible. We went to Vegas because we wanted to talk to a couple people about voice assistants and how we use them in our home. Kind of the bigger question of what does it mean to have a voice assistant as part of your family, existing in the home. But we talked a lot about the etiquette of interacting with smart speakers. Yeah, like this has been a topic that has gone around is sort of this idea of whether it's important that we teach kids and adults to say please and thank you to their assistants. I mean, you have people like my parents who seriously just bark at they're Alexa, and it's so funny. It makes me kind of uncomfortable. And then you have someone like my brother's girlfriend who I've talked with who says she makes a point to always say please and thank you to their Alexa. And I think that's so sweet. But, like, why does it matter? That's kind of the question. And do, do we need to care about this? I am afraid to talk to my smart speaker and <laughs> actually have never uttered a single word to it and do not know why I have one. That's why I- I don't have one. It's because I don't get it. <laughs> I don't feel like I can do that thing. Yeah, so we spoke with Brett Kinsella. He is the editor at voicebot.ai. It is a website platform dedicated 
to all things voice assistance. And then we actually got to speak with Lillian Rincon. She's the director of Google Assistant. She works on the consumer side of things. So she has an inside look at how the tech is made and what they are thinking about. So the first thing we had to ask Lillian, of course, was about this feature called Pretty Please, which is Google's response to these concerns that parents have about their kids yelling at their smart assistant. So maybe just to start off, we can get the big question out of the way. Do you guys think it's important to say please and thank you to your assistant and why? Personally, I have two kids. I have a five-year-old and I have a two-year-old. And so over the last two years, essentially, I saw my kids growing up with these devices and just noticed that some of the things you guys are saying that, you know, they would be yelling. And, you know, it really got me thinking like that we need to start thinking about these assistants in people's homes and what is the responsibility that we bear to making sure that families, that we kind of create nutritious experiences, let's say, for families. And so we created this feature called Pretty Please exactly for this reason, that essentially through positive reinforcement encourages people to say please and thank you. And and we did this so that it's not just for kids, it's for everybody because we think that also kids learn from parents. Whereas Brett was like, nah. So I think it's a nice feature. I, I like the idea that you can do that if you want to be polite to your smart assistant, but I think it's totally unnecessary. The way I look at it is they're really tools. And I think we have to be careful about taking something that we want to have human-like qualities of because it improves the user experience and trying to imbue human-like characteristics and relationships with. And so I think this might be a little bit different as this changes over time. If you think about social robots, it's a very different interaction than we see with a smart assistant on our phone or, or in a smart speaker or even a smart display. But essentially these are tools, very basic level. And despite the fact that there's now a robot with citizenship in one country, I don't think that's really where we're headed because humans are different than machines. So on the flip side of this question, I was very curious about whether it's important for our voice assistants to be polite and warm and friendly towards us. Speaking as a person who really cannot handle any terse responses or like scolding language, if I forget to say please, I truly need to know if I'm allowed to be affected by these robots. You know, some of the assistants are actually working on this in terms of adjusting to your mood and how they respond. So there's brief mode, which Google and some of the other players have, have worked on in, in terms of having these short interactions because sometimes it's the interaction is just about efficiency. And then there's the more conversational mode, which also creates a slightly different experience, maybe a more personalized experience. I just saw a demonstration yesterday about an in-car solution, and they do eye tracking and all these other things, and there's safety features associated with it, but one of the things they can do is they can sense your mood. So if you're smiling, it actually has longer phrases and more conversational, more human-like conversation and interactions with you. And if you are not, if you're frowning or something like that, it just gets to the point and it's as few words as possible. So, you know, there's this whole idea of voice assistants adjusting like humans adjust. We do the same thing. If someone's urgent, angry, it has a lot of angst, we have shorter interactions with them and, and that's just a polite way to interact with them because that's what we're doing. But if they're more casual and they're smiling and things like that, we might throw in some additional information, might make a joke or whatever. Yeah. So what's really interesting to me is just that, you know, I want to hear please and thank you from a human or robot, whatever, from a thing, because I want to feel seen and I want to feel respected and I want to know that someone knows that I'm doing something or did something or whatever. So me saying please and thank you to a robot doesn't really strike me as that important because the robot doesn't have feelings. It doesn't need to be seen. It's just a thing. It's code. But 
maybe I want my robot to acknowledge me and say please and thank you to me. So I wanted to ask Lillian to expand a bit on whether the company's thinking about how the robot treats us, the humans. We have to think about who are the people that use these devices. And maybe for you and for millennials, like maybe we don't care and maybe we just want like the action to happen, right? But again, as a parent, as I see children growing up with these devices, you know, this does become a part of their world. And I am very conscious of the fact that if they learn to get stuff just by yelling and, you know, that that's not necessarily the way at least I want my children to be brought up, you know? And I think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah, I would, I would say just to, to add to that, like, so I'm a little bit older than you, and so, you know, Gen X, not millennial, but we came up with technology and it was very much a utility. And so our view of technology tends to be as a utility for First and foremost, and my kids are a little bit older, so I never really had this issue where I felt like they were being rude to the assistant. But I, I'm not sure that, you know, again, that we can force that on society. There's, there's plenty, you know, as we talked about, there's plenty of children who are just not polite. There's plenty of humans who are not polite. And trying to force them to do something with an assistant that they don't necessarily do in the real world might not be a fight that we can win. Having it there as an option is definitely a good thing. And I think it's just, as you, as you look at it, what we haven't done, we haven't spent a lot of time, I was thinking about the ethics behind the use of AI, and voice assistants are just sort of the tip of the spear. One of the, this is a good conversation for us to have so that people can express their opinions and understand where we want to head. Is it going to be an option? Is it going to be forced? All these different types of things. And there might be another assistant that comes up which is only polite, and that people adopt it just because of that feature. So one thing I was wondering is where Google and these other companies are thinking about drawing the line between what sounds human so that the interaction is pleasant and what sounds human in a way that's going too far. For example, Alexa can tell your kids a bedtime story, which seems very confusing for your children who are forming their small little brains and figuring out what is a person and what is a machine and is extremely unnerving to me. Alexa can also whisper to you. That's deeply horrifying. It's really creepy. I really, really wanted someone to tell me that there is a line and people are observing it. I mean, I'll say for the assistant, we never talk about it as a person. We don't talk about it as a he or a she. We talk about it as an it. I'm very purposely, I think, for that reason. Having said that, whether we call it an it or a she or a he, like when kids don't understand these distinctions, and for us, the goal really is not about making it be a human, but more about just enabling somebody who can't read to be able to learn the ABCs or to be able to play a song, just to you know, kind of help them in their day-to-day -day lives. And so, I don't know, I guess we're we're looking at it at a slightly different problem, which is just how do we enable the assistant to be like the most natural way that somebody communicates and to be able to fulfill the things that they want. I think we are seeing that, another point I think it's worth making is we are seeing that the first interaction with technology for a lot of children now is voice assistants and smart speakers. Right. So everyone was amazed a few years ago when tablets came out and kids were touching on the tablets. Well, they're actually talking to the, the assistants now. And so as their first introduction to technology, and, and Google's done a nice job with this, you know, thinking about how can you create content interactions that are meaningful to them? And aside from the politeness factor, just this idea that they're learning how to access technology, I think is a really important point when you think about younger users who are going to be using voice now long before they ever get involved with a touchscreen TV or tablet or phone. All right, so we got to talk about the elephant in the room. Why do all of these smart assistants either have a female sounding name like Cortana, Siri, Alexa? But if they don't just have the name, they also have the option 
often the default to have a female sounding voice. So we kind of know, like, what's up with that? What can Google tell us? Google was one of the first major voice assistants to allow you to choose male or female. And so I immediately switched it over to male just so I wasn't confused with the other female voices because I have all the voice assistants operational all the time. The one thing I will say, and I, I think maybe there's a controversy that people want to imbue on this that might not be there. I look at this in two ways. I say, first of all, I think that if most of the voice assistants were male today, people would be concerned. They would say, wow, voice assistants are really smart. Why are they all male? Right. So I think that that's one thing that people sort of overlook. And the other thing I think is actually more important is most people were introduced to a voice assistant through HAL 9000 and Space Odyssey 2001. And, you know, aside from all of the consumer surveys around what they prefer, male or female voice, and every study I've seen shows that consumers prefer a female voice. And, you know, I think a lot of the platforms are smart to follow that process to say, you know, enable a female voice because they want people to accept it. And it, it is a new thing, right? But I think if you go back to it, since there was this ominous male voice that everyone was afraid of in Space Odyssey 2001, which just had this like 50th anniversary. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Mostly what people want to do is be as far away from that as possible. Because that's something that, that speaks to a voice assistant future that's, that's really that negative thing we talked about at the beginning. And what we're seeing is these things are really, really great utilities. And so you don't want that negative overhang. And by making this a friendly female voice, I think was probably a very fast way to get people to adopt it and not think about maybe some of the negative connotations that came from that movie. Well, first of all, we don't call them female or male. We call them colors. Yeah, They're colors. colors. Yeah. Uh, but uh, secondly, yes, there's some colors that sound more like a male and some colors that sound more like a female. We alternate or at least in the latest uh, couple of quarters, we have flipped it so that your first experience may be female, it may be male. And there are plenty of friendly male voices out there. I mean, if you just think about it, like the, the Google choices, Watson's very friendly male voice, stuff like that. But HAL 9000 was not a friendly voice. It was, it was definitely ominous, not only because of what it was doing in the, in the dialogue, but I, I, I think there is something there where this, the consciousness of a lot of the people who are making decisions is like, wow. There have been some negative connotations of robots that had these male voices. And female voices, you know, I think, and male voices can both be friendly. And that's, that's really what people are focused on. I thought it was interesting, if a little absurd, that Brett assumed the voice from 2001 A Space Odyssey was why everyone wants female voice assistants. I guess because that's like a very generationally specific assumption. I've never seen that movie. However, I have seen on numerous, perhaps dozens of occasions, Disney Channel's Smart House, which stars a smart house with a female voice assistant who goes crazy and evil and like holds the family hostage in the house and screams at them and makes a tornado. So maybe that's why I'm afraid to talk to my smart speaker. <laughs> Brett and I can at least come together in fear. All right. So up until now, we've pretty much talked to our guests about features that already exist and kind of how there are the discussions that are happening. But to kind of narrow in on the tech itself, we want to know if voice profiles could exist in the future in the way that maybe I could go over to Caitlin's house or something, talk to her Google Assistant, and her Google Assistant would recognize me and be able to pull up my calendar or something. Like, that would be pretty cool. That would be like, future. 
Plus, someone would finally be talking to my smart speaker (laughs) and be like, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, so Lillian and Brett kind of expanded on this. I think that's a great feature request. It isn't something that we support today. That's where it's headed, though. I mean, let's face it. For all of the the leading players in the voice assistant space, want the assistant to be available as conveniently as possible anywhere somebody is. So sometimes that's going to be on the phone. Sometimes it's going to be in the car. Sometimes it's going to be in your home. But sometimes it's going to be in other public spaces. You know, think about the convenience of just being able to talk to any microphone phone and get your assistant. If you're in an office building, for example, you walk in, you don't know where your meeting is, and you just say, hey, Google, what room is my meeting in and how do I get there? And it recognizes you by voice. It looks at your calendar, knows who you're meeting with, and says, I'll notify Susan that you're meeting with, and you need to proceed to the second floor and take two lefts to get to the room. So finally, the most unseemly question about this whole debate, how are these companies making money off of voice technology? They all have different strategies. Amazon's is clearly getting people comfortable with voice technology, so they'll buy things from it. We don't know what Google's is. Actually, our goal right now is not to make money. Maybe it will never be. I mean, our goal really right now is to do exactly what I just said, which is be a part of people's lives and help them get things done. And honestly, for us, we have been trying to do this in a way that brings this value to as many people around the world. Um, You know, we started two and a half years ago, and just in the year 2018, we went from supporting 30 countries to 80 countries because we want to give people, we we believe that this is like a superpower essentially that people can have now. And actually in countries like India, as an example, in India, there's a lot of people that have feature phones. And we were able to think about bringing assistance to a feature phone. And now you have, you know, women, minorities, like, uh, you know, a lot of people who are maybe illiterate, who can't read and write, now being able to access the power of the internet. I mean, I don't know, for me, that's like one of the main reasons that I'm here. I think like that's a really valuable thing that we can bring to the world. With the gift of hindsight, I think what we really stuck out to us is Lillian's answer about how Google doesn't care about making money. They just want to make the world a better place. Yeah, it's like the most kumbaya, beautiful thing she could ever say. I mean, I'm sure that all of the individual people at Google want to make the world a better place. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For the most part. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying that the people at Google are bad. Yeah. I'm not even necessarily saying that like wanting to make money is bad. It's more just like, let's get real. Google has stockholders and you do have to make money. But the question is like, how does the assistant eventually, maybe not right now, but eventually make money for Google? Well, I think we can kind of come up with a few guesses. One is that like, Google's assistant is already the smartest of all the assistants. It gets more answers right than any of the others, than Siri or Alexa. And it's possible that Google just wants its assistant in all of these homes because it will get smarter and smarter. It's like search capabilities will get smarter, and that makes its advertising business more valuable if it mm-hmm. just like understands everything people want the best of anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the reason why it's so good is because Google already has all of these amazing services built, like Gmail, which is most people's default mm-hmm. email app, Google Search, which is just literally I Google things on the Internet. I don't search. I'm Googling. Right. You know, they have, I mean, billions of other apps, too. But, like, they already have these great services. And so if they can just continue to lock you in through Google Assistant being your default assistant and your default services – yeah, that, that's the business play. William did balk a little bit when I said that. I was like, but th- so the goal is just to like integrate Google services into people's lives. And she's like, no. So I don't know. All right. So that's our that's our thoughts on the whole monetary thing. But we mm-hmm. got to answer the big question we came in with, which was just should 
we be saying please and thank you to our assistants? Should we be teaching kids to say please and thank you to the assistants and why? Did you end up having a different opinion or how did you feel about it to start and how do you feel now? Okay, so I think when we started, I was like, children should not be talking to voice assistants at all. And they especially shouldn't be saying please and thank you. But I do also kind of understand the like inclination to have a human relationship with your smart speaker. I think if I ever did, um, you know, like develop the gumption to start talking to mine, I would be like a little hurt if it talked to someone else. Like someone else came into my home and started saying, (laughs) saying, please Google. And I was like, oh, said please to Google. Now Google likes them better. I mean, I just, I can see how this would spiral Mm -hmm. into this horrible emotional situation. So maybe we should all be agree now, all of us at once to be rude to our smart speakers so that they (laughs) cannot have favorites. And we got to just teach the kids that these are robots. They're not humans. They don't need your respect. (laughs) Brett was sort of on the right track here of just, these are tools, they're functional devices, they serve us. Like, sorry, that's what it is. And they don't need to hear please or thank you in my world. I agree. Okay, that is it for this episode. We're actually going away now. We're not going to surprise you again with a bonus episode. We'll be back with season four, though, in the spring. Follow me on Instagram at Ashley Carmen or follow me on Twitter at Ashley R. Carmen. Follow Caitlin on Twitter at K-A-I-T underscore Tiffany. I don't know your Insta handle by heart. Um, I think it's the same. If I recall correctly. Okay, so you can follow her on Instagram, too. All right, we shall see you later. Goodbye. Bye.